Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing so far? Pretty good? Okay, really? No, really, really? Are you really... I just want to make sure if you're really, really doing good. Well, today, oh, if it's your first time here, I'm Jim Del Campo, and uh, I'm the senior pastor, and we're in a real short three-week series uh, called Death Lost. And last week, we looked at the trial of Jesus uh, before Caiaphas, which is the second trial. The first one's before Annas. Now, today, we're going to look at Pilate, the trial of Jesus before Pilate. But I want to give you a visual kind of look at what Jesus will be going went through all night long the trial so put that up on the screen for me please and you're going to see here that uh, at about one o'clock in the morning Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane about 1 30 in the morning they come Judas comes and they uh, obviously he betrays him and then they arrest Jesus and they take him Trial number one before Annas, who's the head of, he's like the crime boss on the Temple Mount. He's, the, he's over everybody, religious, politically there. It's at two o'clock in the morning. Then at three in the morning, after that first trial, they go before Caiaphas. That's the one we studied last week. Then at 6 a.m. in the morning, mind you, Jesus has not been able to sleep. He is hungry, he is thirsty. He's before the Sanhedrin at 6 a.m. That's the 71 member, like the Supreme Court of the Jews. And then they take him to trial number four, which we will study today. Trial number four, 6.30 a.m. before Pontius Pilate. And then trial number five, which we will just see quickly today, Pilate sends him to Herod at about 7 o'clock in the morning. Herod sends him back, and then trial number six, which we'll finish off also today, is at 7.30 a.m., once he's condemned to be crucified, then they set him off, and at 9 a.m., he gets to the location of Golgotha, where they will nail him to a cross, and he will hang up there for six hours, and he will die on that cross there. So that's to give you a little understanding of what has gone on, is going on throughout the night of what he's going through. Now, with that said, let's pick up from, let's just kind of quickly, tap into to make a transition into as we look at the trial before Pontius Pilate but turn with me to Luke chapter 22 and let's read uh, verse 66 to chapter 23 and verse 1 just to show you the transition here now in Luke 22 verse 66 it says this when it was day the council elders of the people assembled both chief priests and scribes and they led him away to their council chamber saying if you are the Christ tell us but he said to them if I tell you you will not believe and if I ask a question you will not answer but from now on um, the son of man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God remember son of man big big deal And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? He said to them, Yes, I am. He had never denied that before, so it's nothing new. Verse 71, Then they said, What further need do we have of testimony? 
for we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Verse 1 of chapter 23 says, Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. Whole body, meaning the entire Sanhedrin, 71-member council. So now they're sending him off to Pontius Pilate, which begins trial number four for Jesus Christ that night. Now, just by way to look at, once again, the distinction. The trial before Pontius Pilate, I'm sorry, before Caiaphas and Annas and Sanhedrin here, these are religious trials. If you watch the terminology, they're always making the statement. They're trying to get him to admit he's the son of God because they want to get him on the charge of blasphemy. That's what they want to get him on because there's our religious trials. But now, once they get him to admit he's the son of God and the son of man, which goes back to Daniel 7, and they're really offended by that because now they know Jesus has stated, I'm the Messiah. I am, this, I am God. They know this now. And that's what they wanted to hear. So now the, 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 the verdict is guilty. But now they're going to take him to Pontius Pilate. So begs the question is, uh, why? I mean, if he's guilty, why don't they just kill him themselves? Why do they need to go to Pontius Pilate? What's the big deal? Well, first off, um, they're going to go to Pilate because they want... Um, that's going to turn into a, 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 a trial of treason. Because if you watch the terminology from there, they move from blasphemy, and now it's, uh, you're the, he's the king of the Jews. He says the king of the Jews, which means there's only one king, and that's Caesar, right, to the Roman Empire. And the Romans could care less about blasphemy. They, they serve many gods. And so now you see the difference. But why don't the Jews, once they get the verdict of blasphemy, why don't they just stone him to death according to their own laws? Well, let me tell you why. Because in 30 AD, a few years before this moment, the Roman Empire took away from the Jews the power and authority to carry out capital punishment. They took it away from them. Now, when they did, in that moment of time, when they did, the Jewish leaders they ran into the streets, these political religious leaders, they run into the streets and they're yelling and out loud and they're quoting an Old Testament verse from Genesis 49.10. It says, uh, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Now, scepter meaning authority. Judah, Jesus will come from the line of Judah, the Messiah will. Shiloh means peace, but here comes, it's another term for like the Messiah to come. And so that verse is saying that they will not lose any authority until Messiah comes. Now, when the Romans took away the authority to carry out capital punishment, they run screaming in the streets. Then they say this, well, the scepter has departed. We've lost authority and Shiloh, the Messiah has not come. But here's the deal when they say that. Jesus has already been in their midst for a couple years at that moment. Messiah was already there. They just refused to recognize that he was already there. And so the prophecy was not broken. In fact, it was actually fulfilled some you know, 1900 or so years later. Isn't that an amazing thing right there? But so they have no authority. Let's get back to the issue. They have no authority to carry out capital punishment. So they've got to go to the Romans. And now they've got to get him on treason. 
because blasphemy does not matter to the Roman Empire one bit. So today, I've got five things for you, okay? Some of them are quick, some of them will take a little bit more time, because I told you these first two weeks, I'm going to give you play-by-play, trying to dissect some things that are going on in these trials. Today, Pontius Pilate, that trial is the first one. So, the, so number one in your notes, here's the first thing we see happen. Jesus is delivered to Pilate on the charge of treason. Now, in Mark chapter 15, and verses 1 and 2, here's what we find. Mark 15, 1 and 2. It says, Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation Binding Jesus, they led him astray and delivered uh, him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him. Here's the question. Look at the question. Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, it is as you say. Now, why would he bring up, are you the king of the Jews? Because the Jews have told them that he goes around saying he's the king of the Jews. So this is why this thing has come up there. So now you see where it shifts now to a different charge from blasphemy to treason. Now, here's something I want to point out to you about Pontius Pilate that you may not know historically, and but once you know it, you have to ask yourself a question. Now, let me show you a part of a letter that was written by Agrippa uh, to Caligula in these time frames here about Pontius Pilate. Put it up on the screen. It says this. This is a historical piece of evidence right here. It says about Pilate. Pilate is unbending and recklessly hard. He is a man of notorious reputation, severe brutality, prejudice, savage violence, and murder. He doesn't sound like a nice guy, right? He doesn't even sound like a guy that cares about anybody except for what he cares about. So here's the question. The question is this. When you see something like that and you find out what he's really like historically by his contemporaries... The question has to be asked, if he's such a hard nut, if he's so mean, if he's so brutal, then why, during the trial of Jesus, do you find this man vacillating back and forth? Why is he so spineless? Why is he so weak-willed? Why doesn't he do these things? Why doesn't he act like himself? Well, let me tell you why. The letter. The letter points to the fact that Pilate is on report with Rome. He's already historically messed up a couple times. He's done things that has caused the Jewish people to riot, and riot big time. And so this gets back to Rome, that he cannot control the Jewish people there in Judea as the governor. And so now, this letter has been dispatched about him. He's on report. Now here's, now you understand this whole setup. They bring Jesus to Pontius Pilate. They can't kill Jesus, but they're going to get Pilate to do it. Pilate knows, and this is historical, one more mess up, one more riot with the Jews. Rome says, you can't control the situation. You lose your position. Rome knows it. Pilate knows it. Guess who else knows it? These religious and political leaders of Israel. They know it also. So as they bring Jesus to Pilate, they know this guy's a puppet. They know they've got him. They know that he wants to keep his position, and he'll do whatever it takes to keep his position. And so they're going to get him to be unlike he normally is. He's going to start to vacillate. 
He's going to start to move back and forth. He's going to want any way out of it he can. So, make sense so far? So, point two, here we go. Let me give you another thought. Pilate sees right through their fabricated charges. He sees right through it. Now, let's read from Luke chapter 23. It says this. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. So here, here it comes, another rendition. And by the way, there's only one gospel, but there are four perspectives on that gospel. Amen? Never say there's four. No, there's four perspectives. That's why when you read the gospels, you'll see differences in the gospels. People say it's contradictions. No, it's not contradictions. It's just four different perspectives. If four of us stood there at an auto accident, we give different renditions of what we saw. Any amens on that? But you put it all together, and that's what it is. Did you get the, the full recap of it? So that's what it, that means. Now, verse 2, it says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. See what they're saying? Question, did Jesus ever say not to pay taxes to Caesar? He said, Render to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God the things that are God. He never said that. And saying, here's what they'll say, and saying, he himself is Christ, a king. Oh, man. So Pilate asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said, it is as you say. And then verse 4, then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, say it with me all together. Here we go. I, let's try that again. I find no, that's maybe the most interesting and yet revealing statement that Pilate makes about Jesus Christ and really helps us a lot. He examines Jesus. He sees right through all of their lying claims. There's no evidence of this stuff whatsoever. And then he announces, I find no fault in this Jesus Christ. He's sinless. He's done nothing wrong. Now, let me tell you why that's an important statement for a follower of Christ if you are a follower of Christ. And I tapped on it a little bit in communion. Now, I brought myself something to eat this morning because sometimes I get hungry when I'm preaching, okay? So, um, you mind if I eat a little bit? It's just a little cinnamon cake, whatever. I know you guys don't like cinnamon and stuff like that. But I'm going to cut me a little piece right here. It's... I was going to, thank you, thank you. I was going to do a magic trick, but I don't know how to do any tricks, and so. So, you see this right here? Anybody want any? No. Mm. 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 Tastes like lobster. Sure. Mm. At home, hold on, okay. Mm. Now, that little piece of cinnamon roll or whatever it was that tasted so good, does it still exist? Does it still exist? Yes, it does. Can you see that piece? What do you see? Oh, you see me. You don't see the piece, but the piece still exists, right? Where is that piece? Where? Inside who? Praise the Lord. So that little piece still exists, and it exists in me. You don't see that piece, you see me. It's okay to say that, okay? Well, when Pilate says, 
I find no fault. Where? In Jesus. Think of it like this, because it's a beautiful theological statement for us. Pilate doesn't realize what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is sinless. In the New Testament, we know that a person, when they put their faith in Christ, they are now what? In Christ, right? So when we put our faith in Christ, now we're in Christ, correct? Oh, okay. So if I'm in Christ and Christ is sinless, I find no fault in him, no guilt in him, no sin in him, but I'm in Christ, what does that make me? Louder? Don't be afraid to say it. It's okay. What? You're sinless. You're sinless. It's called justification. You're declared innocent. When the Father in heaven looks at a born-again believer, he doesn't see us according to our sins. He sees us according to Jesus. We're under the blood. Amen? Because we are in him. You got that? So once you get that, it should lighten the load of your life. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, seven years ago I did this. Stop. Just stop it, okay? That's all under the blood of Jesus. It is gone. In Jesus, you get a fresh start every second of your life. Amen to that one? You're declared innocent. It's your standing. Say, my standing. Say it again, my standing. Gosh, that's great. You see, look, look. <clears throat> We don't, we don't receive justification by achieving it. We just receive it. You just take it. And once you receive it, that's it. You place your faith in Christ, you're in him, and now you're declared innocent. How many feel better about that one right there? Listen, somebody, some of you in this room, maybe one or two, you think when you come in this room or any church you go into, I'm the bad person and everybody here is good. You think that, don't you? I'm gonna take a little step right now of faith. How many think that when you come in? Raise your hand if some of you think that. Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise, somebody raise your feet because you know you really believe it. <laughs> now, how many of you know in this room you messed up too? Raise your hand. How many of you know you're... Uh... So you're not the only one, but that's my actual state. That's what's really going on. I don't dwell in my state. If I dwell in my state, I'm going to be a mess, am I not? I'll quit God, I'll quit church, I'll quit church because I know I'm a sinner. I dwell in my standing. I'm in Christ. God looks at me, the Father says, innocent of all sin because the blood of Jesus, he's in Jesus. How many feel better on that one right there, all right? That's the way you want to live your life. Now, moving on, number three in your notes. And by the way, anybody want this, the rest of this right here? No, second service, it's mine. I got to use it. Don't be stealing it in between services, okay? Now, the third thing we're going to see here is this. The hypocrisy of the religious slash political leaders is exposed. Now, Pilate, or the writer, John, watch what he writes. He gives us this little interesting, this is comical, guys. Watch. In John 18, 8, they bring Jesus. They bring him to the praetorium. It's a Roman barracks. Now, watch this. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas, the trial we looked at last week, into the, say it, praetorium. That's the Roman barracks, all right? If you were in Jerusalem, and at that time, you have the big temple, and then on the northwest corner, you have the Roman barracks of the Temple Mount. And it was early. We saw how early it was. Like 6.30 or 6.66. And they themselves, watch, and they themselves, watch, all these religious political leaders, and they themselves did not watch. 
They didn't enter the praetorium so they, they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Is that hilarious? Guys, how many trials is Jesus going to go through? Six. Have they found him guilty of anything? Have they broke their own criminal justice laws by trying him in the dark? No representation? Liar after liar, bringing in false witnesses, and they know they're bringing in liars. And then after that trial, the final religious one, then they violently hit him. They break their own laws. They're doing all this to Jesus, and then when they finally bring him to the Temple Mount, to Pilate, they go, oh, we can't walk in there. Because if I go in there, I'll defile myself. Because that's Gentile territory. How hypocritical is that? No, really, how hypocritical? Don't we have to watch out for that? We can make ourselves sound so noble, can't we? Can't we? And excuse all our own sins. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, but you can do all this other stuff. But I can't do that. They're exposed. And John writes this. I think it's funny. I think you're probably going, I got to put this in here. This is a good one. Now, number four. Here we go. Pilate attempts to avoid making a decision about Jesus. Now, he's going to make this big attempt now. Now, watch in Luke chapter 23. Watch this. But they kept insisting, saying, because Pilate's trying to get out of it, guy. He don't want nothing to do with it. He stirs up the people teaching all over Judea. Here's another one of their claims. Starting from where? Galilee. Louder, where? Galilee. Mm. Starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. Watch. When Pilate heard it, because Pilate's trying to get out of it, Right? Right? When Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man, Jesus, was a Galilean. Is he a Galilean? When he learned that he, Jesus, belonged to Herod's jurisdiction up in Galilee, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at the time. Now here's what's going on. Pilate has Jesus on trial. They're in Judea. This is the southern part of Israel. In, there's Jerusalem. Pilate hears that Jesus is Galilean. That's in the north. The Sea of Galilee's in the north. So he's saying, okay, that's not my jurisdiction. He knows that Herod, who's who, by the way, the Herod that actually beheaded John the Baptist, he knows he's in town, and Galilee is his jurisdiction. So he thinks, hmm, I know a way to get out of this. I'm going to send him to the proper authority over him and he sends him to Herod out of sight out of mind I don't have to make a decision question by not making a decision about Jesus has he made a decision yeah this is one of the things that every so often gets me it's like people don't want to make a decision well by not making a decision you made a decision See, he don't want to make a decision about Jesus, so he sent him away. Well, that's a decision. Hold that thought. So imagine you're Pilate, and you think, got rid of him. And you sit down for breakfast. You got eggs, 
white solid, yellow runny, hit the yolk, spread it all over the white. Anybody like it like that? Amen, brother. Amen. That's what I like. Bacon. He's not Jewish. He can eat bacon. Pancakes with boysenberry syrup. Anybody? That's why I like my breakfast, okay? And only Olivia can cook the eggs that way. If I go to a restaurant, I get scrambled because they're going to make that white part runny and I'm going to throw up in the bathroom, okay? <laughs> Anybody feel like that? It's right? I'm not, I've had it happen too many times. That ain't happening again to Jimmy, okay? Unless you let my wife go back there and cook those eggs, you're not going to know. Uh-uh. So Pilate's eating his breakfast. He thinks, I'm free. I don't have to make a decision. I'm eating my bread early in the morning. It's going to be a good day. And then, next verse, please. Then, there we go. And Herod with his soldiers, after treating him, Jesus, with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Can you imagine Pilate? He's eating breakfast. He's got a piece of bacon hanging out of his mouth. They go, "Uh, Mr. Pilate, Jesus is back. What? No, Uh uh-uh, please, Uh uh-uh. Yeah, sends him back. Because all Herod, Herod tried to get Jesus to do a trick. He wanted to do a trick. Jesus is not doing any tricks. Sends him back. Herod's trial is trial five. Now we're back to trial six, the continuation with Pilate. And now there is the punch button. Here, let's, let, me, let me finish off that thought. Because I think it's got a good application. And that is, by not making a decision, he made a decision, right? I'm not going to make a decision about Jesus. Sends him away. He made a decision. But... Jesus, as he's leaving, probably thinks to himself, I'll be back. Any amens on that one, right? So, okay. So, <clears throat> so here come Jesus is back. And Pilate's like, oh no. Oh no. This is the sad part. How many people will not make a decision about Jesus, for Jesus? And by not making a decision, send him away and think, out of sight, out of mind. And then on the day of judgment, who are they going to be standing in front of? Jesus. And it's going to be, oh no. Oh no. Make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. But instead of looking at people and saying, ah, they should have, no. That just shows us that our job is very, very at hand. We need to do something, right? That we need to be sharing with people every chance we get. Don't, try, don't force it. But when you have a chance, every day pray for opportunity and pray for boldness and lead them to Christ. And lead them to Christ. That's a very important thing. We have to get back our passion like the early church had for lost people, for lost folk. We can't get off track. Now let me give you the final point I have for you today and that's this. Jesus takes the judgment of another. Now before I read these verses, Let me just point something out. He's been on trial all night long. They've lied about him, and they've lied about him, and they've lied about him, and they bring false witnesses, and they lie about him, and they say he said this, and then more lies about him. Trial after trial. Is there any evidence that he's done any of these things? Nothing. Nothing. 
And they just keep trial after trial after trial after trial, lie after lie after lie after lie. And there he is, and he's still on trial in the morning after all that. Isn't that crazy? Americans, we need to be careful. Whenever you hear something, before you just quote what somebody else said, why don't you look for evidence? Do you hear what I'm saying? Look for evidence. Don't look for somebody who wants to make the first phony headline. We live in a world that is filled with so many phony headlines. You look for evidence. And you seek it out. You really want to know. If you don't want to know, then don't say anything. But seek out the evidence. Because we live in a world of hyperbole and lies and everything else. And you've got to be careful of that stuff. Be really careful. Or you could be misled down the road there. Now, that's just a Jim Del Campo thought for you. But here, let me read the verses here on this point. Now watch this. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who's called? A little side note on that for those of you who don't know. Notice the terminology. Do you want me to release for you Barabbas or Jesus who's called Christ? Barabbas is not a first name. Barabbas means son of your father. Bar Abba. Or Jesus. He doesn't name the first name of Barabbas. Do you know why they don't? Possibly. Barabbas' first name, guess what it is? It's Jesus. Jesus was a very common name in that day. So Pilate's making distinction between Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas, and Jesus who's called the Christ. That's why that statement is like that. Just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Now, for he knew that because of envy, there it is again, they're handing Jesus over because of envy, they don't want to lose their position. And because he's an outsider who came and he was disrupting what they've been doing for years and years, just ripping off people and doing all kinds of things, and they don't like outsiders. They handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Now, Pilate's wife sends him a message saying, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For last night, the night before... I suffered greatly in a dream because of it. Can you imagine? You're on the hot seat, Pilate. The pressure, you know he's innocent, but they want him dead. And then your wife sends a message, he's innocent. Have nothing to do with him. I've dreamt. So the pressure's on. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you today? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all said, Crucify him. Notice, they said, Barabbas. Pilate says, Then what shall I do with Jesus? They said, Crucify. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? In other words, the question again, Where's the evidence, guys? But they just kept shouting all the more. There it is again. Whoever shouts the loudest, shouts the longest, keeps shouting, and then people believe it. There's no evidence. They're shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. We want him dead. Okay. Okay, watch this. Watch. I showed this, uh, I don't know how many years ago. Some of you probably remember this. But watch what's going on here. Pilate is standing there in the prayer term. He's on the pavement area of this fortress of Antonia. 
Barabbas is down in the barracks. He's not there with them. He's down in the barracks, in, in the Roman barracks. Pilate now says, um, okay, I got to get out of this. I gotta, my wife says to have nothing to do with him. I got to get out of it. And he says, oh, yeah, you guys have a custom, a custom that, I, that you can release one person at the Passover. And he's thinking, okay, I find a way. I know how I can release this innocent man, Jesus, because I know he's innocent. These guys are all lying about him. And he wants out of it. He says, you have a custom that I can release one person for you at Passover. And it is Passover. I can release one person. And he says, I know. I'll get this guy. I'll tell him about Barabbas. They all know who Barabbas is. Bible tells us, New Testament says, he's a murderer. He's an insurrectionist. You know what an insurrectionist is? Treason. The very crime they're accusing Jesus of is the very crime that Barabbas has committed. And he's murdered a guy. So Pilate thinks, I'll bring this guy. There's no way that they'll choose Barabbas over Jesus. There's just no way. So he stands up there, and there's the crowd, and he says this. Okay, you have this custom. Release one person for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you um, Barabbas or this Jesus who's called Christ? And what do they all scream? They all scream Barabbas. Okay. Then they calm down. Then Pilate, one man says, what shall I do with this Jesus? And they all scream. Crucify. Crucify. So, first question, which one do you want released? Pilate, one person says, who do you want released? They all scream, Barabbas, Barabbas. Calm down. Pilate says, what shall I do with this Jesus? And they all scream, crucify, crucify. Put yourself in the position now. You're Barabbas down in the barracks. You're chained up. And down there, here's what you hear. Barabbas, 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 Barabbas. Calm down. Crucify, crucify, crucify. <laughs> if you're Barabbas, what are you now thinking? This will be the day that I die. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. So here come the soldiers. I'm going to be crucified today. He hears them coming. And they come to him and think, okay, this is it. And they unlock him. They unchain him. They said, you're free to go. What? You're free to go. Why? What happened? Well, this guy, Jesus, he's going to die in your place. He's going to die in your place. This innocent man, Jesus, is going to die in you, you murderer, insurrectionist, in your place. And so Jesus goes to the very cross that was probably meant for Barabbas. And Barabbas is set free. That's exactly what Jesus came to do, didn't he? But not just for Barabbas. Can you do it for all, every human? Every one of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But by the redemption and justification of God, He came to set us free. He came to set our name in heaven. He came to do all these things for us. He died in that man's place. A picture and a symbol of what He's done for everyone on this planet. And our decision is simply 
Make a decision about Jesus. Put your faith in him. Give him your life because he gave his life for you and me. Give him your entire life. And watch what God does in your life. Quit fighting it. Quit arguing with it. And watch what happens in your life. But once you do that, you'll know that you know that you know that your name is recorded in heaven. And we've already proven in past series that something caused the universe to start. Science has already proven that. It was, it's not eternal. Something kick-started it from nothing. And you don't get something from nothing. And then we've already shown that historically Jesus existed. Jesus was crucified. And the disciples and Paul believed they saw. They were the eyewitnesses to this. To this. And there's people outside of Christianity in history that write about this Jesus. So there's plenty of evidence. But he came to die for us. He came to take our place. And he did it for that first guy, Barabbas. And he's done it for many of us. All you have to do is take him up on the offer. He came to die in our place. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you for um, the great sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice that you made for us. Giving your life for us. So that we would not have to go through what you're gonna, you went through on that cross. Darkness, separation, unquenchable thirst. As you sit here today, I just don't, you know, I don't know where everybody is with Jesus. But I'm going to hope at the end of this service that you will be right with God. That you will place your faith in Jesus and quit fighting it. The more you fight it, the worse it gets. And I think you've probably figured that out by now. But I'm going to give you an opportunity. The greatest opportunity of your life to place your faith in Jesus Christ, the God-man, who came to save you and I from our sins, who took our place on that cross, who, when I put my faith in him, I'm in him, and all my sins are washed away because there's no guilt, no sin in Jesus. And I, and I get to be in him. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to, you'd like to put your faith in him, today's the day you're going to surrender your life. No turning back. You're going to be governed by the word of God. The word of God. God's love letter to us to show us the way to live. You're going to confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then great, we're, we're so happy for you. Your sins are going to be washed away. Or maybe you backslid. It's time to come back. Quit fighting it. Just surrender. And let Jesus be your Savior, Lord, God, guide, light, lamp of your life. 
So I'm going to give you this opportunity now. If you'd like to place your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, whether you're at home watching right now or you're here in person, wherever you're at, I want you to, right now, I want you to, if you want to get, put your faith in Christ, rededicate your life, do this for me as a sign between you, me, and God. Open your eyes and look at me right now. I'm going to look around the room. When our eyes meet, you can close them, but do it right now as I look around the room as a sign between you, me, and God. Just do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless. God bless you. God bless. Those at home watching, God bless you. Anyone in the lobby, God bless you. Now, I want to say this prayer, and I want everyone here to repeat it out loud. And those who looked up, you say it with us. Because remember, the New Testament says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So you're going to confess with your mouth. And as you say and repeat this, believe it in your heart that if he's the God-man, come back from the dead, resurrected to life. So here we go. Everyone say it, especially those who looked up at me. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die in my place, that you would take my place on a cross of shame and pain, shedding your blood to forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me, Lord. And I know I'm forgiven of everything. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God the Father raised you from the dead. Thank you for saving me. Now allow me to pray for you. God, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I pray for everyone who looked up, I pray for you. You need to tell somebody you looked up. In fact, elbow the person next to you right now so they know you looked up. It cannot be a quiet thing. Our culture is trying to quiet us and shut us up. It cannot be a quiet thing. Start reading your Bible. You don't have a Bible? Get a Bible, simple translation. We have free ones in the lobby. Stay in the New Testament for a couple of years to read about your Savior, about Jesus, the God-man whom you follow, the only God. Start hanging around some Christians. They'll guide you. Get into church regularly. You need to worship and learn about whom you're following. Share with others you're a Christian now. Some of these things now, you're going to say, I don't do that anymore. Because if you have the DNA of God in you, which you do by the Spirit of God... There's going to be a difference in desires. Thank you, Jesus, for saving them. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for going to that cross and taking our place because every one of us is Barabbas. Every one of us. Thank you for setting us free that we could lead a life that is really life. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said...
Amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.